You're listening to Fiercely Courageous Conversations with Dr. Rebecca Ray and Monica Cade. This is a monthly podcast to help you rise above fear and express yourself authentically. Our intention is to create real conversations and explore why many women hold themselves back from being all that they are. Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Fiercely Courageous Conversations podcast with Dr. Rebecca Ray and myself, Monica Cade. Our aim is to provide thoughtful insight around how as women we limit ourselves from truly expressing who we are and how this manifests into our professional and personal lives. In today's topic of identity, well, it's a big one we're tackling, and Beck and I are going to do our best to address it from multiple levels. We'll look at it from a self-awareness perspective, how do we get to know who we are and what does that look like, and we'll also review how authenticity relates to identity and its relationship to our business messages and creative projects. And we'll also touch on what happens when we go against our authentic truth and the impact of that. As you can tell, it's a very juicy, wholesome and very deep conversation, but we know you're up for it. So let's get started. Beck, hello. I'm excited to co-pilot another episode with you. Hi, Mon. Ditto. Thanks for having me again. Pleasure. How are you feeling about our topic today? Um, I just want to dive into it. I think identity is so incredibly important in terms of us being able to move through the world. And so... I excited's not the right word, but juicy is. Like you said, juicy in the introduction, I really feel like identity is such a juicy one because of how big it is and how we come to feeling like we are comfortable in our own skin. Mm, absolutely. All right, well, let's dive in. I thought it might be nice for us to first define what identity is in in the sense of how we're discussing it. I'm sure for other people, they might have other definitions, but we'll just define it as we'd like to share it with you today, Alice. Sure. Yeah. So I truly believe that identity is something that we associate with our body and our mind, and it's something that we can build ourselves into in this life. Um, A lot of the time we think we are the identity. So, you know, I'm Monica. I am the identity as Monica. And everything that I experience in my life, the stories, the my career path, my relationships, they're all associated with my identity. However, in a lot of the episodes that we've been discussing, we've talked about being the observer. And I think it's really important to shine a light on this, that even though we are this being, this identity, whoever we are, we are also observing ourselves and... I think it's important that we kind of dissect that a little bit so we can learn to become more of the observer rather than just being this identity and then everything that happens to us. I think if we are the identity, our person, so for example, myself, then if I'm the identity, then that means that everything that happens to me can define me. And I don't believe that we can truly be defined by the things the the things outside of us, because if, if the things outside of us define us, then it keeps us limited and small, but we're so much more than that. So is there something that you'd like to offer into this part of the conversation? Yeah, I think it's an experiential process. So mm-hmm. as we experience identity uh, from your explanation, if I was to just 
put different words to it. From the way I see it, we can step into our identity and we can step out of it and observe it. Mm-hmm. So you can step in and and live all those stories and reflect on your past and reflect on your present and imagine your future. Um, but you can also step out of that and go, well, none of that actually defines me. Mm. Um, I can uh, have a past that, you know, had difficult parts to it, but that doesn't define me today. My actions define me. So I always like to come back to um, what you do on a day-to-day basis is also part of your identity. Your actions are your identity and your actions are the things that count because they're the things that you have control over. When it comes to figuring out who you are. I think when we include all of this, like a an identity soup, so to speak, um, it's about understanding what we can leave behind when it's being limiting and what we can take with us when it's being helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes. So for our listeners, how, how do we, dif- how do we differentiate those things? Um, look, I think anything that's not tangible <laughs> is something that can be left behind if it mm. needs to be left behind. Yeah. Um, and that, that's thoughts and feelings and body sensations. So, yes, those things definitely exist. We feel them, we experience them, but we don't necessarily have to take them with us or use them as a definition in terms of who we are. Mm. I'd like to just share an example because something I've noticed over the years is when people go through a very traumatic experience, so maybe someone has gone through... Uh, depression or cancer or you know in my case I went through an eating disorder I feel like a lot of the support systems will allow the person to say oh I am a recovering this now I'm treading softly here because I'm not trying to take away from anyone that's been through these experiences. However, so I'll use my own experience. I went through an eating disorder, but I'm not a recover, I'm not an eating disorder recover. What's the, what's the right word I'm trying to find? (laughs) You're not solely recovering from an eating disorder. Yeah. You're not an eating disorder recoverer on a day-to-day basis. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry, a bit tongue tied there. Uh, Yeah. So that's an experience I went through, but that's no longer who I am. And I feel like when we go through these big things, it's easy to attach ourselves to that identity and say, this is who I was, and this is what I've been through. And we find meaning in that. However, I'm not that. And that was an experience I went through. It's also similar to like having an experience where you go to an art gallery and you have an experience of seeing an art show. You know, it's it's just an experience. And yes, of course, it would have been more traumatic and there would have been some hard times depending on what you've been through. But that doesn't have to define you either. And to be defined by that is also a choice. Yeah, that's right. And I think choice is what's important here. It's about what works. Mm. So if you're... Um, if you see yourself as a recovering alcoholic and that helps to remind you on a day-to-day basis to connect with your values and to make different nutritional choices in terms of um, food and in terms of drink and then also different social choices and different choices about where you want your life to be headed without alcohol in it, then it's very helpful. Mm. Um, If However, it's holding you back and keeping you in a place in your life where you continually criticise yourself or you continually um, 
you know, lament your mistakes and your regrets, then perhaps it's not all that helpful. So I, I guess for me, I would look at it in terms of workability because I think there's some identities um, or some aspects that we take on as our, our identity that are actually very helpful for moving forward and others which might keep us stuck. Mm. So that's one example of how individuals might define themselves through identity. So what are some ways that we can look at in terms of figuring out who we are? Because that could be such a loose term, like how do we actually figure out who we are? Yeah, I I was going to talk about figuring out who we are in this kind of prospective way, but I think I want to talk about it in, the, in a retrospective way now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is because I think personally... I've done more figuring out of who I'm not, Uh which has allowed me to figure out who I am. Uh So, well, when I say who I am, that makes it sound like I'm a, you know, it's a destination and I've got it all figured out. I don't really because life keeps changing. And so um, as new things happen in my life and new experiences happen, then you take your, your identity expands and transforms itself. Um, So I'm now a wife. You know, a couple of years ago, I wasn't a wife, and yet that's part of my identity. Um, now, and a very important part of my identity, one that I take very seriously. So it's it's definitely an ongoing process, but I would say that in terms of figuring out who we are, sometimes society tends to promote this as if it's uh, as if there's a step by step program that you can do, particularly around you know finding your passion. Oh, yes, that's um, funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's this idea that we should come to a place where we have it all sorted out and we understand ourselves intimately. I think it's probably more workable, if we're going to talk about workability, to think of it as a process where we're learning about ourselves on a daily basis and then what we learn doesn't work we consciously start to weed out of our identity experience. Mm. I love that you've said that it's an ongoing process because I think saying that it is a limited process that we will one day figure it out and arrive at a destination, I think that can cause a lot more struggle. If we can go into knowing ourselves and realise that it's an ongoing journey for life, that the depths of our discovery of ourselves is so infinite. I don't believe that, you know, we're ever going to arrive and truly understand all facets of ourselves. There's always something more to learn. So I think, yeah, just stepping into it with that kind of perspective immediately takes the pressure off. I agree. Okay, so let's talk about how it affects our career and maybe our passion. And I have an example that I can share with our listeners who anyone who's struggling or has had an internal conflict in terms of what they want to do with their career or feeling like they're not on the right path or maybe they want to change but they feel like they shouldn't because they've come this far. I recently, last year, at the start of the year, I started a nutrition degree. Now, for the majority of my career life, it's always been within communications and writing and publishing and I've always been very interested and passionate about health and wellness and nutrition. And so I enrolled in a nutrition degree and 
I thought that that was what I was supposed to do. You know, I was really, I was feeling sort of unsettled in my career and I was thinking maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe I'm supposed to be doing something else. And remind me, I want to touch on this supposed to be doing thing. Okay. Because <laughs> it may slip my mind. <laughs> but um, so I, I enrolled in it and did it and I enjoyed it for the most part. And I'm talking in a finite way because I did six months of it and then I decided to quit. It was very intense and, you know, I was still working and then studying full time. So it took a lot of me. I had no time for any social activities. You know, I spent some time with my family, but pretty much everything else was just doing this degree. And it came to a point where I was, I think, four days out from my final exam and it was a chemistry exam and I I just was really struggling with that subject and I was speaking to a friend about it and she said to me, you know, Monica, there's a difference between being passionate about something and truly loving something. And when she said that, for me, it was one of those big aha moments and I realised that I was truly passionate about health and wellness and nutrition but did I want to pursue a career in that? Did I want to be a nutritionist? The answer was no. And so I actually didn't sit my final exam. Like I'd done the whole term and then I just decided, I was like, no, I'm not going to because this isn't my authentic truth, you know? I don't mm. want to be doing this. And so I quit and when I did that, I felt at ease and so much lightness and so much space returned to my life. But I wanted to share that because for me, that was a massive six-month detour. And so it felt like I was just chopping and changing. And I'm sure that anyone that knew me from the outside was probably also thinking the same thing. But what I needed to remember was that that experience showed me something of who I'm not. And from mm. then on, I was able to kind of decipher and filter through more of who I am and realize that that can be part of me but it's not who I want to grow into into this in this life it's really interesting that you say that you had that sense of lightness when you didn't sit the exam it's I think we need to really distinguish for our listeners um because I've been in this position as well where if we go back to this supposed to be you know we can get mm. so caught up in what we should be doing according to the messages that we receive from the people who are important in our lives and society at large and that can keep us on a path that doesn't necessarily fit for us the, a great question is well how do you know it doesn't fit for you I mean you mentioned things like you were really busy and you were overwhelmed with your workload but is that enough to tell you that you shouldn't continue down a particular path and I think sometimes you know the answer is in how you'll feel without that thing on your path anymore mm. and when you walk away from it sometimes the bravest thing you can do is walk away from something that's not working rather than continue continue to persist and, you know, all you have to do is go and explore your Instagram feed to find some motivational meme that will talk about grit and persistence. And I'm the first to say that those things are very important in life. And as far as the research goes, they're more important than talent in terms of getting to where you want to go. Mm. So please don't think I'm, I'm saying, listeners, um, that 
you know, it's not important to be persistent. It is. However, if you feel like something is not working, then often the answer is in how you'll feel when it's no longer there. Mm. And like Monica said, when she didn't end up sitting that exam, very, very brave choice, um, she ended up actually feeling lighter and freer and closer to her true self. And I think they're the answers that help us to define, ah, so this is something that, you know, I enjoyed having as part of my life for a time, but it actually doesn't fit with where I'm headed in the long term. So it's, it's about working out what doesn't work for us, what doesn't fit for us in order to be able to go, actually, this is who I am in my own skin. Mm, Absolutely. I love that. It is so true and I think it can be hard sometimes to walk away because even in that process for myself, I asked myself, am I not liking this or feeling like I shouldn't do this because it's just a bit tough and I'm trying to weasel out of it because for the most part, I like to commit to something and complete it. I'm not afraid of doing the work. However, there was just something off. It was a little bit different and I think your example of flipping it on, it's on a flipping it on its head if you are unsure because I think sometimes when we're trying to decide on whether something is right for us or not if we spend too much time with it it becomes too much in our head (coughs) excuse me and then we can't find out what the true answer is so I think in those moments flipping it on its head by saying okay well how would I feel if I didn't do this or how would I feel if I let this go or that can actually give you the true answer. Yeah, and then being brave enough, I guess, to take that step to see how it feels. Mm, Exactly. I remember um, a couple of years ago I was working in clinical practice and had done for like years, year after year after year, and had probably done too much of it. And I knew on some level I was burnt out. Mm. But I'd also stayed with it too long. So I have a tendency to persist too long with mm-hmm. stuff because I should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I say should in inverted commas in the air um, because they're about the rules that I make up for myself or about the rules that I'm making up other people have for me. Mm. And I had persisted and persisted even though something in my gut said to me that I needed to take a break And it got so bad that I'd actually decided that perhaps I shouldn't be a psychologist anymore. Wow. And when I decided, actually, I didn't decide. I feel like my body decided for me. Mm. Um, I didn't really have a choice and I needed to stop. Uh, The way I did stop is a friend of mine challenged, a psychologist friend of mine. It's very, Mm -hmm. very handy having a psychologist (laughs) friend. Um, a psychologist friend of mine challenged me on my beliefs around why I couldn't take a break um, and because I lost that argument and he, he won, <laughs> I had to listen and or I chose to listen at that point and I closed my practice for 18 months um, and I closed it very quickly. I closed it in about two weeks and um, stopped doing it altogether and initially I was at a loss. So it's not like I just stepped into this kind of, you know, ah, type of angel moment where all the stars aligned and I felt like I um, was a mermaid and unicorn in one because my authentic (laughs) self had arrived. Like, come on, like, it it wasn't like that. And I really think that it's important um, 
for all of us to admit that doing these things are hard and that means that hard emotions show up. So for a while I felt at a loose end and I felt a little bit guilty and I literally didn't know what to do with myself. So I wandered around the house going, what do I do now? Like if I'm not going to work, what do I do? Mm. And I shouldn't say it's like nothing because I always had in the back of my head that I wanted to do some writing Mm -hmm. and had never made time for that. But at the time it was hard. It was not pretty, Mm. even though what I experienced was also this concurrent relief. So this deep seated relief. Mm. Um, However, where I'm going with this is that what I also learned is that me not being a psychologist at that time was also not right for me. Mm-hmm. So actually by stopping what I was able to reevaluate for myself was it was the way I was doing psychology that was the problem, mm-hmm. not psychology itself. Mm. So I was able to return to psychology 18 months later when I was ready and do it on a, I just don't do as much of it anymore. So my clinical work is a very small part of my week. Um, and there are lots of other things I've incorporated into my week, like my identity as a writer mm. and my identity as a person who has a social, a, a public profile on so, social media. Um, and those things give me great joy, um, but they've also transformed my identity. So it's not like when you go and we talk about getting comfortable in your own skin and we we talk about, you know, figuring out who you are, like just makes me want to slap myself across the face because you can just go and look at your Facebook feed and see something that says just be authentic. You know, it's just not that simple. Come on, let's let's admit it. Like it's, it's very easy to make this a two-dimensional process where it's not. And not only is it not two-dimensional, two, two-dimensional, but it's hard. Mm. So in this process of working out, at least for me, who I'm not, I've hurt. Like I've really hurt because I've fractured my own expectations. I've fractured other people's expectations of me. And I've it's really been like an, an egg-cracking experience, you know, mm. where I've kind of come out of this egg and gone, oh, this is who I'm going to be now. But time and time again, like it keeps happening where I keep refining my own identity. And I would say that a lot of that process is painful. Mm. Um, Despite the fact that there is a lot of, like the benefits is obviously this sense of being aligned and being so much closer to my true self. But I don't want to, I don't want this discussion to sound like it's a, you know, rainbows and unicorns discussion where you can just get to the end of a 30-minute podcast and go, oh, cool, I know how to figure out who I am now. Mm. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I too will put my hand up and say, of course, the the struggle is real and it comes with it. And I think to go into it thinking that it is going to be just rainbows and sunshine and all that kind of stuff is not true. And I think we need to go through those experiences and feel those emotions. Like, you know, you said when you first quit your practice, you didn't really know what to do with yourself and there was all these emotions coming up. And I think a lot of the time people tend to, or we, I shouldn't say people, we tend to, when those things arise, we don't want to feel them. We want to run away from those those emotions but if you've made the choice to want to get to know yourself and you you may know the direction that you want to move towards, there are going to be things that you need to grow through in order to become that person. 
I think it's just always about remembering to bring it back to, okay, well, what have I asked for? And just know that whatever is in front of you is the growth process in order for you to become that person. So true. And that that makes me think of uh, another important point, Mon, which is sometimes we can make hard emotions mean that we're doing something wrong or incorrectly. Mm. And sometimes we can make hard emotions mean that it's too hard and therefore we just need to stop. I think there's a big difference. Um, And you're going to ask me what the difference is and I've just (laughs) realised I don't really know how to formulate the answer. But I just want to point out that hard emotions can mean multiple things. They don't always mean that you've taken the wrong path. Mm. So when I talked about closing my practice, those hard emotions I experienced afterwards weren't a sign that I was on the right, the wrong path. Exactly. They, they were a sign that I just had to sort my shit out, yeah. basically. You know, I had a lot of recovering to do and a lot of work to do internally to put myself back together to find the energy to go, where are we going from here and what are we taking from this? Mm. Um, I'm talking about we, like I have multiple personalities, but <laughs> I do. Well, we, we're on this journey with you. so yeah. Lots of identities inside my head. But there is also the hard emotions that came prior to closing my practice, which were definitely a sign, um, an an intuitive sign that I was on the wrong path. And those signs were there for years. Like, I have to be honest, if I had have listened to my intuition and gotten over myself earlier, I would never have had to have had a whole 18 months off. So Mm. um, it's the fact that I refused to listen because I was caught up in the shoulds and I was too busy trying to placate my ego, which said, said, you know, you'll fail if you stop Mm. um, or you'll be a failure, Um, something that grates against me um, and that I consciously overcome on a day-to-day basis to define, redefine what success is. And so I, I want listeners to be able to understand that it's okay to have hard emotions. It's about getting in touch with your intuition to work out what they're trying to tell you. Mm, absolutely. And it's really okay to pivot. You know, you shared in your story where the hard emotions, you know, they were bigger than actually the pain of stepping away. I think also for me, one big aspect of the nutrition degree was also, oh, sorry, you also touched on, you know, for you, it was about being a failure. For me, it was more about, oh, I've announced to people you know, close to me that now this is the direction that I'm going in. And all of a sudden, I'm going to turn around and say, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm going back to doing what I was doing before. And it may be a slightly different form. And for me, I thought, oh, what are people going to think? And through that process, and I, I just want to raise this because I know a lot of the time we go, oh, but everyone's going to think this about me. But who made the rules in this life that you're not allowed to change the direction if it doesn't feel right? I think that's really important to remember that you're driving your life. It's your choice what you do. And to make choices for other people means that you're not living your life and not you're not expressing your own authentic self in doing so. Yes. Oh, just so beautifully said, Mon. The thing I'll add to that is 
I think it's important to acknowledge too on this whole process and progress that we're talking about in terms of getting to know ourselves is that something might be authentic for you at one time in your life Mm. and with growth it becomes no longer a good fit for you. So it's okay to grow out of things Mm -hmm. and to have had experiences that once upon a time defined you. So it might be career experiences or relationship experiences, um, where, you know, you chose certain people that were a good fit for you at the time, but you grew out of it because you evolved and it was no longer a good fit. Or this career was something that you're interested in, you know, in your early 20s and now in your early 30s it no longer works. It's okay to transform. And this is part of the process of, I think, getting closer to your true self. And your true self will have parts um, of you that don't change. So, for instance, I... I can always remember back to being very young, having a desire to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been ingrained and that doesn't change. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm still trying to contribute in some way, whether it's writing or a comment on social media or whether it's my actual work as a psychologist or even in my relationships as well. So that doesn't necessarily change. And yet my interests have certainly changed along the way. Mm. So it's not, it's not a finite, uh, boxed kind of thing that we can define, I don't think, and draw on a bit of paper and go, this is who I am and I'm just going to stay within this box. I think it's important to have some flexibility around it. Exactly. And I'll add to that by saying that the choices that are in front of you are the choices you're making right now and you're choosing the choice that feels the most aligned right now in this moment. And in two weeks' time, in a year's time, that may be different, but you're not choosing for that future because you don't know who you're going to be in that at that point in time. You're choosing for now. Yeah, that's right. And I think the, the choice around, you know, choosing what's aligned for you right now is a brave choice in, a, in and of itself. So it takes a lot of guts to be able to step forward and go, this is the choice that I'm making right now because it's consistent with who I want to be and who I am rather than what society says I have to be or what my parents think I should do with my life. Mm, Exactly right. I want to move our conversation towards identity and its relationship to authenticity. Now, we Mm -hmm. touched on this word authentic before in social media feeds and when I see it in social media feeds, it makes me cringe because I feel like it has, some people have turned it into this buzzword and I'm not sure if certain people stop to really ask themselves, what does that mean for me? What does being authentic actually mean? So I thought maybe we could just discuss authenticity a little bit and then how do we pursue living authentically? Do you have an idea as to what authenticity means for you? If, if you see it and it grates you, is that because you define it differently? I feel like it's just thrown around a lot now. I feel like there's a lot of messages in the media that are constantly saying, do what you love, uh, hustle hard or be authentic. And, And I'm not, I think when I see it, I don't feel the authenticity behind those posts. So Mm. maybe that's why I feel somewhat some resistance towards those things. I guess at the end of the day, I have to bring it back to myself and know for me. So for me, being authentic is to, in each moment, make the decision that is truest to me and to respond to what's presented 
in my life in that moment rather than react. Yeah. And that's really interesting that you should say that the word authenticity itself has become superficial for you. Despite the fact that it represents such a deep concept, it's superficial for you because the way it's thrown around now suggests that it's just something that we can be. Again, back to that two-dimensional Instagram feed kind of concept. Mm. Um, I, I totally agree with your definition, though, and I think that Um, in the way that we're talking about identity because we always come back to the message that we're trying to put out into the world and living courageously and what that looks like for us. I think for me I would just add that being authentic for me is what's the bravest choice here? Mm. Is it that I need to say sorry to my partner? (laughs) Because I suck. Simple but very hard at times. Yeah, yeah, totally. I suck. Um, and, and continually trying to get better, but I, I could definitely continue to get better. And so it, what's the bravest choice here? What, in terms of your identity, sorry, in terms of my identity, for me to be authentic, the way I'm asking that is to go, well, if you were to make the bravest choice, that's the closest you can come to your authentic true self because that's courageous living. Um, And then it's also about obviously the choices that I know don't work because I've made those mistakes in the past and they caused pain and I choose to avoid that pain. So that's, that's more about embracing who I am and then coming to this place of we have a skin that we inhabit and how do we get to a place where we're comfortable in that on all levels from the most obvious level which is body image to the far deeper level which is getting comfortable with the mistakes that we've made in the past any trauma that's occurred in our history and challenges that we've faced and you know heartbreak that we've had that life has delivered us to then be able to still live fully, richly and meaningfully. I like the word embrace. It's kind of like the word, what was that word that you said? It's like a hug in a word. Do you remember? Yeah. What was Yeah, that, that was about compassion though. Oh, yes. So I feel like embrace, embracing or embrace is also a very beautiful word in the sense that you're opening your arms to everything that you've gone through and everything that you are up until this point because so often we get angry at ourselves or frustrated or think we should have known better. But at the end of the day, we're always doing the best that we can with what we know in that moment. Mm. And embracing who we are, I think, is one of the next steps into stepping into all that we are or stepping into all that we want to be. And from there, we can make choices that are more authentic and more aligned with who we truly are because we're not saying that this was quote-unquote bad and I don't like this about myself because at the end of the day, berating ourselves is not going to move us towards a more loving and compassionate way of living and making more authentic choices. Totally agree. And also when you're moving into it, that sense of embracing, you know, it's so soft, so gentle um, and so accepting. What that allows you to do is also um, have the flexibility to look at what's working and what's not um, because embracing who we are is also about embracing who we are not. Mm, exactly. The whole thing. Let's talk about our authenticity in our business work and creative projects and how identity also comes into that. 
Yeah, I think I've just got something really simple to say in response mm. to that, and that's that I don't believe that you can really put your message out into the world if you if that's what you're doing. If the, you know, we're creative workers, so that's what we do. And I think on some level everyone's creative, but if that if that's also part of your business or part of your work, I don't think you can put your message out into the world and in an effective way unless it's authentic. Mm. So I, I would just say that my my response to anyone out there that is doing similar work to us, they're they're a creative and they're trying to work on a project and put it out there. Be careful of the sense of needing to hide or feeling like you're too scared to do so for fear of judgment because I will tell you from experience that whenever you try to hide or half-ass it or put it out there in such a way that you're more protected and less uh, open for judgment, the less authentic you'll be and the less real it will be received as. And it's the real stuff that gets received the best. So in my experience, I've had to get comfortable with vulnerability. Actually, that's bullshit. I'm never comfortable with vulnerability. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've had to practice vulnerability in order to really authentically speak my message. And whenever I'm able to do that, it, that's when, you know, I connect with my community the most. So I would just say in, in terms of that, you know, business work, so, so putting a message out into the world, just be mindful of the fact that it, think of your outcomes. What are you trying to do? Who are you trying to reach? And then consider are you doing it in the most authentic way? Because if you're not, number one, I don't think it's sustainable. So you'll burn out, you'll get sick of it, you'll start to resent it, mm. um, or it will require more effort from you because it, it takes more effort to be something that you're not. Mm. And then come back to, well, hold on a second. Uh, could the benefits far outweigh the costs here? So if you're scared, and most of us are when it comes to being vulnerable, think about what the potential benefits could be to help you to cross that line to be more courageous and therefore more your authentic self when putting your message out there. When you're putting your work out authentically, because you mentioned that, you know, how, how, who, are you, who do you want to reach and how are you going to put your work out there authentically? Don't look around you. Don't look to the world outside of you. There's a message within you that only you can deliver. And I'll use your writing, Beck, because I think this is why you have also grown such a beautiful audience because your writing really reaches deep into the reader. And Thank you. That's okay. And that's only possible because you've been vulnerable with yourself. You've looked within and gone, okay, I'm going to access this part of me and I'm going to put these words out and I'm going to share myself through these words. And so the reader will feel that. And so when we're moving from that kind of a space in whatever creative outlet or whatever work that you do, when you're you're moving from that place, people feel that and that's what people connect with. And that's when you know when you're on the right path because things in a way seem seamless and they unfold effortlessly in a way. Like, of course, you know, I know that you have a writing practice and you sit down and you do your writing and you do put effort and and time. (laughs) And you know that's not effortless. (laughs) I get that a lot. (laughs) Exactly. However, your love for what you're doing enables you to push past that. I don't like the word push, but 
and it allows you to move through those more challenging moments because at the end of the day you you love what you do and you love expressing yourself in that way regardless of what you have to go through in order in order to have a finished product whatever that may be yeah yeah so I I think that again ties back into recognizing when it is a uphill battle or when it's simply just some obstacles that you have to overcome yeah and I don't know whether you can relate to this but as you describe me in that way, it makes me think of really reinforcing for our listeners what the consequences are of being aligned. Mm-hmm. So we've just talked a whole lot in this conversation about what it's like to not be aligned and that discomfort that shows up. Mm-hmm. But the experience of being aligned and, and putting an authentic message out into the world and having that re- be received so beautifully so that there's a there's a commune, you know, between you and the other person on the other side of the screen or however it is that you you receive um, feedback, I, I feel like there's nothing better than that, you know, other than love. Love's probably, you know, let me put that aside because that's a bigger emotion, but this particular feeling of alignment for me is what motivates me to get through the times where I want to bash my head against a brick wall because it's taken me, you know, three hours to write three paragraphs Mm. um, and I'm frustrated by the time that it's taken. That feeling of alignment is what, that's your reward. That's what you get when you're in it and you're being authentic. You're, You're taking your identity and you're putting it out into the world as it is without apology and being able to say, this is me. It's, it's not necessarily easy, but the connectedness that that brings, I, I just, it's second to none for me. I can't, I almost can't describe it, mm. but that's what keeps me going. The tiny little things, you know, where I'll read somebody's comment on, like somebody commented on my Instagram this week and they said something along the lines of, um, that were tagging in a friend and talking to a friend about a quote I'd written and said, when the universe brings you a message, you know, that's so eloquently written Mm. that you were stumbling over trying to define for yourself and here it is, you know. Mm. And and I just thought that's that's it. That's, you know, when you are able to put something out into the world that someone resonates so much with, I... I can't put a price on that for me. And that's what keeps me going in terms of being brave enough to continue to be authentic. Mm -hmm. Because there's also the times where, you know, there might be negative feedback or there might be judgment or whatever it is that's not all that pleasant. But the benefits of staying close to your true self, for me, far outweigh the impact of having to stay small and to shrink away and to protect ourselves so that we don't ever get judged. Mm, absolutely. And you said that so beautifully. And I think it's like from Beck's example, it's really nice to see that the more we express ourselves, the closer we we are to ourselves. And that doesn't have to be through writing, whatever your, excuse me, medium is, the more you bring more of yourself out and be authentic in that way, regardless of the feedback that you're going to get, in a sense, it doesn't matter about the feedback because of how you're feeling when you're doing it. And the that's the reward, like you said, Beck. The reward is that feeling of being aligned with your true self. And yep. 
There was one other thing I was going to add to that, but it has slipped my mind. So <laughs> this is not uncommon when we do these. <laughs> Maybe it'll pop up in our next episode. <laughs> possibly, possibly. So essentially our, our, our message is to just keep expressing yourself. And if you don't want to do it publicly, maybe just start small for yourself. You know, whatever your desire is within you, start small. And then until when you become courageous enough in yourself and then you want to share it with the world, then go and do that. But at the end of the day, it's about you and it's for you. You're here to express yourself for yourself, not for other people, because being authentic is about being content within yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our conversation for today. It's been a pretty meaty, juicy one, but it's been very enjoyable. It has. Thanks to our listeners for sticking with us all the way through. Now, if you are looking to get clear on who you are and what your message is and how to bring more of yourself out, I do offer one-to-one sessions with people In these sessions, I help you connect to the space within you that already has the answer. I often see people struggling with their message and they don't really know how to get it out. And even I'll even put my hand up, even for myself, I have moments of that. And it's sitting down with someone who's able to facilitate those answers out of you. And that's something that I love to do and would love to help if you feel that that's something that you need help with. And you can check out more information about these sessions in the show notes. Thank you very much, Beck, for another lovely discussion. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. All right. We'll see all of you next episode. Take care.